Psalm 55 this morning. I read this a few times over, and uh, it's kind of an interesting psalm. It says in verse 1, Give ear to my prayer, O God, and do not hide yourself from my supplication. Attend to, to me and hear me. This is obviously David speaking here. I am restless in my complaint and moan noisily. At least he's honest. Because of the voice of the enemy, because of the oppression of the wicked, for they bring down trouble upon me, and in wrath they hate me. My heart is severely pained within me, and the terrors of death have fallen upon me. Fearlessness and trembling have come upon me. Fearfulness and trembling have come upon me, and horror has overwhelmed me. And all of a sudden, he turns into Peter Pan. So I said, oh, that I have wings like a dove. I would fly away and be at rest. Indeed, I would wander off and remain in the wilderness. Selah. But then he snaps back and he said, I would hasten my escape from the windy storm and tempest. This is when he snaps back. Destroy, O Lord, and divide their tongues. You see, he had a moment of just like flying away, but then he got back to reality. And For I have seen violence and strife in the city. Day and night they go around in, in, on its, in and go around it in its walls. Iniquity and trouble are in the midst of it. Destruction is in the midst. Oppression and deceit do not depart from its streets. For it is not an enemy who reproaches me. Then I could bear it. Nor is it one who hates me, who has exalted himself against me. Then I could hide from him. But it was you, a man my equal, my companion and my acquaintance. We took sweet counsel together and walked to the house of God in the throng. So he was being oppressed by someone that was close to him, someone that was a friend. Sometimes the people that are closest to us are the ones that hurt us the most, right? As for me, I will call upon God and the Lord shall save me. Evening and morning and at noon, I will pray and cry aloud and he shall hear my voice. He has redeemed my soul in peace from the battle that was against me. For there were many against me. God will hear and afflict them, even he who abides from old, from of old, because they do not change. Therefore, they do not fear God. He has put forth his hand against those who were at peace with him. He has broken his covenant. The words of his mouth were smoother than butter, but war was in his heart. His words were softer than oil, yet they were drawn swords. Cast your burden on the Lord, and he shall sustain you. Read that again. Cast your burden on the Lord, and he shall sustain you. He shall permit the righteous to be moved. He shall never permit, sorry, permit the righteous to be moved. But you, O God, shall bring them down to the pit of destruction. Bloodthirsty and deceitful men shall not live out half their days. But I will trust in you. Amen. Let's put our trust in the Lord this morning. He will, he will take care of us. Amen. Father, we thank you so much that we can trust in you. You are trustworthy. You are worthy of our trust. So we thank you for that, God, and we just ask that you would sustain us, Lord God. Your promise is that you will. We lean not on our own understanding, Father God, but in all our ways we acknowledge you. We thank you that you direct our paths in that. We praise you. We give you all the glory and the honor this morning in Jesus' name. And everyone said... 
So we're going to do something a little different today. Um, here's what I need you to do. You're going to greet each other, but it's going to be greeting with a purpose. All right? How I want you to do it is I want you to find a buddy. I want you to find a pal. I want you to find somebody that you can actually sit by the rest of the service. I don't want it to be a family member. I don't want it to be where you normally sit. I want you to find somebody here. And here's one last, one last piece of this. Is, is, I want you to sit next to, uh, I, uh, where would I lost my train of thought. I just thought of something else. I'll get there. Uh, ah, hang on. Hang, oh, I remember what it is. I want, I want guys with guys. I want, yeah, 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 whatever. Men, men of same age together, women of same age, teens of same age, girls with girls, guys with guys, but not related. Okay, so I'm going to give you exactly four minutes. We're going to give you a whole four minutes to do that. And go. And then sit next to that person. Turn with me to Exodus chapter 23. Very different service this morning, as you can already see. It's already feeling different, already being different, but... Uh, there's a purpose. There's a very important purpose uh, with what we're doing this morning. You'll understand it as we go along here. Exodus chapter 23, for those of you who have been uh, reading through the Bible with us uh, through the two-year process, you'll notice that this is one of the uh, passages that we read this week. Uh, this is uh, something that was read, and I, I, as I read it, I, th- I just uh, meditated on it all week long. And uh, just really, but I, it, it's important. I, I, I've had it on my heart that throughout the year, as the Lord leads us, as there's opportunity, to use the uh, the readings that we're doing to just to continue to speak what God is wanting to speak. And so I really encourage you, if you are not reading through the Bible this year, or the, you know, working through the two year process or through the year, uh, I want to encourage you to be a part of that. I want you to, I want to encourage you to, to start right now, wherever you're at. Now, just to give you a, a little uh, nudge, uh, there are, is actually been a group of people who started back when we started, and I'm doing the two year reading. It takes me about five minutes a day. Takes me a little, you know, between five and ten minutes a day uh, this week because I've had to get up earlier and leave and be here uh, for the construction part. Uh, there's a couple mornings I missed, and I had to make up three days yesterday morning. It took me fifteen. It took me about twenty minutes to read three days worth of reading. It's, it's not the end of the world. It doesn't take you forever. But being in the Word daily, being in the Word on a regular basis, is so important for you. It's important for you. Every age, every adult, every woman, every man, every child, every teenager, we, you need to be practicing being in the Word. Uh, but there's a group of people that started back when we started that this week or in the next week will have finished the whole Bible in 12 weeks. They read it in nine or in 90 days. They re- it took them three months to read the whole thing. And so I encourage you, it's not, you know, I asked them, I said, how long did you have to read each day? For them, it was an hour and a half, about an hour and a half every day. And so it's doable. How, you know, uh, what, what does the word say? You know, it says, says we should tithe, right? Well, how about tithing time? What's one-tenth of a day, 24, two and a half hours? Well, hour and a half a day, you can read the Bible in, in three months if you, if you read an hour to an hour and a half a day. It's easy. So, you know, like the like the handout we have out there, you know, reading through the Bible in 720 easy steps. It's just, you know, it's uh, it's very it's but just being diligent and self controlled to do it. So this uh, is one of those scriptures uh, that we read this week through the two year reading. Starts so in Exodus chapter 23, and begin with verse 20 just to give a background this is where Moses is actually up on the mountain he's up on the mountain receiving uh, directions from the Lord the Lord's given him just tons of stuff and if you read you know sometimes it could be kind of dry uh, reading it you know he did this say this you know build the if you read this morning it's about the ephod you know the ephod had to be designed a certain way and sewn a certain way and so on blah 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 but this one was from a few days ago and it's uh, Exodus chapter 23 beginning with verse 20. It says, Behold, I send an angel before you to guard you on the way and to bring you to the place that I have prepared. Pay careful attention to him and obey his voice. Do not rebel against him, for I, he will not pardon your transgression, for my name is in him. 
But if you carefully obey His voice and do all that I say, then I will be an enemy to your enemies and an adversary to your adversaries. When my angel goes before you and brings you to the Amorites and the Hittites and the Perizzites and the Canaanites, the Hivites and the Jebusites, I and I blot them out. You shall not bow down to their gods, nor serve them, nor do as I do, but you shall utterly overthrow them and break their pillars in pieces. Just stopping there for a second, only to say, in that section of Scripture, God made a whole bunch of promises to the Israelites. He said, if you do what I tell you to do, if you obey me, he says, I will send an angel ahead of you. You're going to go into that country and you are going to destroy them completely. He made promises. He didn't, in, in nowhere in there, he says, if you go into the country and you fight really valiantly, you know, and if you do this, if you do that, you know, all he said was obey. If you obey, I will fully give you that country. Systematically. He promised that all of them, all of the ites, all of the Hivites, the Jebusites, the blah, 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 all of them would be wiped out in front of them. It was a promise. All they had to do was obey. So that's important. He gave them a promise. All right, verse 25. You shall serve the Lord your God, and He will bless your bread and your water, and I, and I will take sickness away from among you. They had a promise of healing before Jesus' blood was shed. Isn't that interesting? Do you know that the Israelites, uh, or the Jews, believe in healing by the name that God had given them? Healing is not something new. It didn't come uh, just because we have faith now. Healing was part of the covenant of old. It was in the Old Testament. It was in the Old Covenant. Healing, he says, I will remove sickness from among you. And we have a what? A better covenant. A better promise. Verse 26, None shall miscarry or be barren in your land. I will fulfill the number of your days. I will send my terror before you and will throw into confusion all the people against whom you shall come. And I will make all your enemies turn their backs to you. Which means they're going to turn around and run away. He promises that. If you do what I tell you to do, your enemies are going to run away. Your enemies are going to take off. Your enemies are going to, are going to flee before you. Verse 28, And I will send hornets before you which shall drive out the Hivites and the Canaanites and the Hittites from before you. I will not drive them out. This is important. Mark this in your Bible. Highlight it if you've got an electronic version or uh, underline it or use the highlighter or whatever. Verse 29 is really important. I will not drive them out before you in one year, lest the land become desolate and the wild beasts multiply against you. Verse 30. Little by little I will drive them out from before you until you have increased and possessed the land. He said, I'm not going to do it in one year. I'm not going to do it in one day. I'm not going to do it in one moment. He said, it's going to be a process. And why? Because if they had just emptied the land out, it would have gone fallow and it would have, the, the wild beasts, and there would have been a whole different thing to deal with. It was occupied. And, they, and he, he says, I'm giving you this land, but I need to give you time to do it. And there's a verse, if you continue reading on through there, it talks about, he says, I'm doing this. When, when they're actually going in later on, he says, he tells, I believe it was Joshua he told, he says, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to leave these armies left so that it's going to train your children how to fight. Step by step, he moved through the land. And he drove them out as they could occupy it, as they could move. What made me really uh, start to, to uh, uh, meditate on this this week was I was praying about Prescott. I was praying about what God's doing down there and that where, you know, it's, but it seems to take longer than you want. Why doesn't he just pour out his spirit and the valley's full of glory and there's people getting healed all over and there's, there's you know, churches springing up and God gets all the, woo-woo, you know, that'd be awesome. Why couldn't, why isn't that happening? Because we can't, we're not ready for that. None of us are. We're barely ready for what we get. You know, there's days I get overwhelmed with what we're doing. 
Our capacity needs to be bigger. It's going to take time to get there. It's going to take time. But as we move along, He's going to train us to have more and more and more and more and more and more capacity. Ability to occupy. Verse 31, And I will set your border from the Red Sea to the Sea of the Philistines and from the wilderness of the Euphrates, for I will give the inhabitants of the land into your hand, and you shall drive them out before you. You shall make no covenant with them and their gods. They shall not dwell in your land, lest they make you sin against me. For if you serve other gods, I will surely, they will surely be, or it will surely be a snare to you. Go over to Psalm 144. This is what I want to talk about this morning. Psalm 144. As we move through this, as we are taking these steps, there needs to be a level of not only theory, understanding how many of you believe, we did this last week or the week before, how many believe that God is good? Yeah, God's good. We, we, you know, we've settled on that. That's a good, that's a, uh, how many of you believe that God gives us promises? How many of you believe that those promises are for you personally? Not just the Christian church as a, as a whole, but for you specifically, personally, those promises are for you. Amen. How many of you are walking in the fullness of those promises? Full healing, full prosperity. You're not, you're not lacking anything. You're everything, everything you speak by faith happens. Just boom, boom, boom. No, but we're moving towards that. Some are at different levels. Some are, some are walking in it more. Why, you know, there are some people who never get sick. They just don't get sick. Why? Because, as we heard a couple of weeks ago and we've reiterated, because they're thoroughly convinced that God heals. And they're thoroughly convinced that God heals them. Some people don't struggle with money. Some people don't struggle with finances. Why? Because they're thoroughly convinced that God is taking care of their finances. I don't have to think about it. I don't have to worry about it. I hear testimonies of people, you know, uh, uh, ministers and, and ministries and stuff that are believing for millions of dollars. And, they, and, they, and their testimony is they don't even think about it because they can't do it anyway. Why worry about something you can't do? Jesus said, Jesus said you can't add one single hair to your head. <laughs> but God can, John. God can. That's where I'm headed with this. You can't, but God can. But you can't go... It's not going to happen that way. But hey... The Word of God says. I mean, I've heard the testimonies. Kenneth Hagin talks about a testimony about, about a man uh, in his 80s who said he, said he at, a, at an age, realized the Word of God is true. And he says, I'm going to believe I don't lose any hair. I'm, I'm going to believe that I don't lose uh, my teeth. I'm going to believe that I don't lose eyesight. I'm gonna, and, every, and he says in his 80s, he was strong. He didn't because he was thoroughly convinced that God could do that. But we have to become thoroughly convinced. That's the deal. How do we do that? How do we do? We don't, we can't force it. We can't will it strongly enough. We have to believe it. Psalm 144. Psalm 144, verse 1 says, Blessed be the Lord, my rock, who trains my hands for war and my fingers for battle. He is my steadfast love and my fortress, my stronghold, my deliverer, my shield, and He in whom I take refuge, who subdues people under me. David was understood. He understood what God does. He understands that He trains you to do what you need to do. You are not born a warrior for God. You're not born. You're not... You're not instantaneously, once you get born again, ready to take on everything. He has to train your hands for war. It takes training. I could, I could tell you right now what I could teach you to do physically to defend yourself. I, you know, I, I teach self-defense. I could tell you what to do. 
I could tell you about it. I can tell you what the concept is. But until you actually train it, you won't be able to do it yourself. I was thinking about, you know, having some stuff here today and show you a couple of things. Eh, you get the point. I, I could show you how to defend yourself physically. I could show you how to, how to take a gun away. How to take, how to defend yourself against a knife attack. And it would be really cool. And you'd be going, I'd like to learn how to do that. I, my, I, my wife sits in my, in our living room, in our, in our family room and plays the piano unbelievably gorgeous. I'd love to be able to play like that, but I can't. Why? Because I don't practice. How many years have you practiced? No, don't. Many, many years she has practiced since she was five, seven, ten, five. And now you're, you're 23, so that's 17. <laughs> yeah, I need it. I need all the help I can get. But it's practice, and she still practices. Okay, you would think that at some point, You'd have all the knowledge. You need. No, she still practices. It's beautiful. Now the practice sounds way better than I'm sure it did. You know, when her dad had to listen to it when she was six. <laughs> but she practices, practicing what we're doing. One more verse. Second Corinthians. One more set of verses at this point. Second Corinthians, chapter ten. Second Corinthians chapter 10, beginning with verse 3. It says, for though, for though we walk in the flesh, we are not waging war according to the flesh. But the weapons of our warfare are not of the flesh, but our divine power to destroy strongholds. We destroy arguments and every lofty opinion raised against the knowledge of God and take every thought captive to obey Christ, being ready to punish every disobedience when your obedience is complete. How do we fight? We've talked about this ad nauseum. We've talked, you've, heard, you've read articles. You've heard other people speak about it. You've grown up in this stuff. How do, we, how do we fight? What are our weapons? What is the weapon that God gives us? Prayer and the Word. The Word and prayer. The Word of God, because it's the basis, it's the truth, it's the beginning, it's, it's everything we need. But then it takes us speaking it out. We need to speak it. But, as we heard a few weeks ago, what is that middle part that has to happen? You have to be believe it. Not only just believe it. How many of you believe that God heals? How many of you are walking in absolute, total healing every part of your body right this second? By faith, yeah. No, and I'm not trying to trip you up. I'm, not, I'm really not trying to trip you up. But what I'm saying is, you need to be thoroughly convinced. Thoroughly convinced that healing is a done deal. It's sorted. It's completed. It is complete. I'm not, I don't even have to think about it anymore. I'm going to walk in healing every moment of the rest of my life. And then all of a sudden, what about that cough you just coughed? Are you, are you sure you're healed? Are you sure God says you can be healed? Are you... Well, that's where the fight is, isn't it? Because that's where you take those, those vain imaginations, those, those lofty arguments, those, those things that Satan are trying to, to discourage you with, and you destroy those suckers! How do you destroy them? with the Word of God. And you speak to them. How did Jesus fight against the devil? Did He punch him? Did He kick him? <clears throat> no! He said, it is written. It is written. It is written. You want, I can keep this up all day. It is written. Satan, you can just you keep talking. I'll keep saying, it is written. This verse, this verse, this verse. <laughs> We have to fight with the Word of God. It is, the, it is the truth that God has promised you. Just like He promised those Israelites, I'm going to do this for you. I'm going to drive those guys out in front of you. <clears throat> so the Israelites get to the Jordan River. Uh, they heard the promise back on the mountain. I'm going to drive them out ahead of you. And then Moses goes, okay, let's go through. And what do they do? They doubt. They don't believe it. 
How do we know they don't believe it? They won't go across. You know, you can be all excited at the mountain, but when it comes down to the river and it's time to go across, you're going to have to be thoroughly convinced. I'm going to just read one more here. It'll be up on the screen. You don't have to go there, but you can mark it down if you want. Romans chapter 4, verse 13. For the promise to Abraham and his offspring that they that he would be heir of the world did not come through the law, but through the righteousness of faith. That is why it depends on faith, in order that the promise may rest on grace and be guaranteed to all his offspring, not only to the adherent of the law, but also to the one who shares the faith of Abraham, who is the father of us all. As it is written, I have made you the father of many nations. He promised that to him years, decades before it happened. He promised the Israelites decades, hundreds of years, over 430 years before that first time they walked up to that, that red, or to the, uh, the Jordan River. He promised Abraham. He promised Isaac. He promised Jacob. When Jacob left, he promised, if you've been reading through the Bible with us, he, he promised Jacob, you're going to go to Egypt for a while, but then your offspring are going to come back and they're going back in and they're going to take that land. Promise after promise. He promised Moses. He promised the Israelites of the mountain. He promised over and over and over again, you're going to have this, you're going to have this, you're going to have this. They heard it and heard it and heard it through all the stories. They get to the Jordan River and... <gasps> And they didn't enter in. Why? Because they didn't believe it. They weren't convinced. You have to be convinced. You have to be. How do you become convinced? Through the word. Through the word. Through speaking it out. Through prayer. By 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 training in war. By training. How how I, I had a student one time. We do, uh, we do a defense against a knife attack. Uh, somebody tries to stab you, and you block it, and you hold the wrist, and you punch them, and you kick them, and then you can take them to the ground, and so on. And this kid came three times. He only came three times to class. to that, to, And he only trained that. And we just kind of did it for fun, because that's the cool stuff. Everybody wants to look like Jason Bourne. You know, so they want to, they, they, they learn that. And, and uh, he wasn't really good at it. He just wasn't very good at it, but he did practice it three times. And he came to me as he was going back to college, and he I says, "Hey, can I tell you something?" I said, "Sure, what, you know what's up?" And he goes, "He goes, I had to use Krav this week." I said, "I thought, oh, some bully was going to punch him or whatever." He says, "No." He says, "I was working in the factory, my dad's factory," and he says, "All of a sudden, I heard a noise behind me." He says, "When I turned around, the guy that was working behind me is has his art back arched, and he has this look of pain on his face, and he falls forward, and as he falls." forward there's a guy standing behind him with a knife had just stabbed him in the back and he says i turned around and the guy looked was he, had, he was after that guy but now there's a witness so he he looks up and this guy standing there with a knife and he lunges at him and he says i don't know why but all of a sudden i just he says i just did exactly what you showed me to do i blocked it grabbed him i punched him in the face i grabbed his hand two other people jumped on him. we held until the cops came And he said, I, I thought, he practiced it. He pra if, if, I, if he had never practiced that, he couldn't have done it. He wouldn't have known what to do. He wouldn't have known how to do it. It works, but you have to practice. Same thing with the, with the Word of God. It works. I guarantee you it works. You can hear testimony after testimony after testimony. It works, but you have to practice. If you've never practiced walking and healing, the first time you get a life-threatening diagnosis, you're not ready. And a lot of people lose that fight. You need to practice early and often today. About two or three years ago, I was reminded of this as I was getting ready for this message and was meditating on it. About two or three years ago, the Holy Spirit had spoke to me, now's the time to practice. Does anybody remember that? I, I, I had kind of forgot about it, but the Holy Spirit said, he says, remind them of that day. It was two or three years ago, and the Holy Spirit says, now's the time to practice, because the day of war is coming. Well, I believe we're actually in the day of war. I, think, I, I believe, fully believe that we're in the battle, fully in the battle right now, but you can still learn. Now's the, now, but now you've got to get serious. 
You know, it'd be great if you had three years to get ready. We don't. But you can learn on the you can learn in the process as we're going along. Verse 16. Uh, I'm sorry. Verse 18. In hope, uh, this is Romans 4:18. In hope, he believed against hope. In hope. Verse 18. Let me read that again. In hope, he believed against hope. Isn't that interesting? Why? Because his body was as good as dead. I think that's what it's probably going to say here a second. But he hoped, in hope, he believed against hope that he should become the father of many nations, as he had been told. So shall your offspring be. He did not weaken in faith when he considered, as I knew it was coming up here, he weakened in faith when he considered his own body, which was as good as dead since he was about a hundred years old, or when he considered the barrenness of Sarah's womb. Verse 20 is amazing. No unbelief made him waver. No unbelief made him waver. He was thoroughly convinced. He was thoroughly convinced. God said, I'm going to have a child. I don't know how this is going to happen. Well, I know how it's going to happen. But I don't know how it's going to happen. Against hope. Against the all odds, against all possibility, it is impossible. Back then, probably now, for a hundred-year-old man and a ninety-plus-year-old woman to have a baby. At least a lot of you are hoping that. That's exactly not possible, right? But against all hope, he hoped. Against all hope, he believed. Against all, he says, God said it. Okay, I'm going to have a child. Verse 20 again, no belief or no unbelief made him waver considering the promise of God. But he grew strong in his faith and he gave glory to God, fully convinced. Verse 21, underline, circle, star, every color you can think of. Fully convinced that God was able to do what He had promised. That is why His faith was counted to Him as righteousness. Fully convinced that what God said He could do, He will do. Okay, why are you sitting in groups? Because <clears throat> this morning, this morning, you're going to get a buddy to practice with. You're going to have a buddy to train, begin to train in war. It's one thing to talk about theory all the time. I actually kind of get tired of talking about theory. Let's do this. Let's everybody, let's get, let's get real here. Let's get, let's actually start to do this. And if we don't give assignments, then you won't do it. You know? If you, if you don't say that's it, by the next time we get together for class, you're going to do 100 push-ups. You won't do it. I'm not going to, that's not the, that's not the thing today. I'm not going to tell you to do 100 push-ups. That's my other class. If you want to come on Monday night, I'll tell you, you got to do 100 push-ups. Everybody breathe. Everybody, <laughs> against all hope, all of you older people, no, a couple of you younger people, where, where was, where's uh, Isaac Honerbrick? Is he working in back in the kids or something? I don't know. I, Isaac Honerbrick on Wednesday night, he was doing push-ups with people on his back and everything. I was like, my goodness, I wish I was anywhere near that when I was that age, let alone this age. Okay, back. I'm sorry, I lost my train of thought. Okay. <clears throat> you have a buddy. Ushers, if you want to hand out those uh, sheets of paper. You have a buddy because you're going to, we're going to practice this morning. We're going to take a few minutes here and we're going to go through an exercise and this, this assignment is going to go through the week. It's going to be a week-long assignment. So you're gonna, they're going to hand these out. Every person needs one of these sheets of paper. If we don't have enough, Greg is ready to print out some more. And don't do anything with it. Uh, now I just all of a sudden thought there are no, not enough pens, pencils. If you have pens and pencils, pull them out right now. Share them with your buddy. Share them with everybody else. If you do not have pens or pencils, I think we have extras in the building somewhere. When you think, when you, th when you're thinking through these uh, processes, sometimes you forgot a piece. Pens was one of them. Okay, 
Still handing out pieces of paper. Does everybody have a piece of paper? Who does not have a piece of paper? Raise your hand really, really high. There's a whole row of people not having pieces of paper. We have extra paper over here. Everybody grab a piece of paper. If you do not have a piece of paper. Second question. Does anyone now not have a buddy? Not married to? Does anyone not have a buddy? If you do not have a buddy, we got some people in the back that don't have buddies. I need a guy. Is there a guy who does not have a buddy? Denny. You, can you go back with Tom? Is there a lady? Okay. You, oh, what? I saw that hand. Is there a lady who does not have a buddy? Three people are not acceptable. Just one person. If you have three in your buddy group, not acceptable. So, Bree, do you, you have a buddy? But Bree, come on over here. I'll lead you to a buddy. I'll lead you to a buddy. Lori. All right. Who else? Anyone else not have a buddy? Raise your hand real high. Oop, oop. Our, our security person outside. I need another guy. Is there a guy who does not have a buddy? John? Doesn't have a buddy? All right. Switched it up. Larry, you got a buddy? Who's my buddy? I'm the leader. I'm the leader. He doesn't have a buddy. Yep. Tom still doesn't have a buddy? <laughs> okay. Uh, buddy's got a buddy. No, security. Kelly. Kelly Mattingly. Tell, tell Kelly to come in real quick. He can watch the front door. You got John? You got John. All right, never mind. Kelly, stay out. No, I'm just kidding. We're out of papers. Yeah. Raise hands. We are going to make some more, more copies. Raise hands if you don't have a piece of paper. Quickly, quickly. This makes it really quick. Wow. Everybody's got to have one. Okay. Any last chance? All right, here we go. Okay, notice on here, on, there's an A side and a B side. Forget about the B side for a second. Just for a second, I'll tell you what to do with the B side in a moment. On the A side, you see a number of questions. First one is, what battle are you fighting right now? If you need a pen or a pencil, let Greg know. Right over there. We need some pens and pencils over there. What battle... What battle are you fighting right now? It could be anything. I don't know what your battle is. The person next to you doesn't know. What is your battle? Now, you are going to share this with your buddy. So you notice on the B side, it says, what battle are you in? Write it over there also, please. Write it on both sides. What is your battle? What is the battle? You could put one battle. You could put five. I don't care. What is your battle? What is the battle you are going through right now? You ask me who my buddy is. I think Pastor Greg still doesn't have a buddy. He'll be my buddy if nobody else. But you're, by the time we get done, you're going to all be praying for me anyway. So there we go. What battle are you fighting right now? Okay. Number two. What scripture are you standing on or using during this fight? You'll see 2 Corinthians 10.4. That's the verse that says the weapons of our warfare are not carnal. They are mighty to the pulling down of strongholds. That is that verse. So what verses, what Bible verses, what promises of God are you standing on? If you're not standing on any, then you don't have any weapons for this fight. Here's where your buddy can help you. If you go, I don't know. If you have a verse that you want to write down, this is the verse I'm standing on, this is, the, this is the weapon I'm using, great. But then ask your buddy, say, this is my battle. What verse? Can you think of another verse that would work in here? And write both verses down. Write your buddy, the verse that your buddy gives you. Here's, here's where you can dialogue a little bit. Go ahead and dialogue for about a minute and a half. Go. What scripture are you standing on? Help each other out. Come up with... Either write the, your script, well, write both your scripture and the other scripture. We're practicing warfare. 
Okay. Third question. Third question. Are you fully convinced? Are you fully convinced that you're going to win this battle? Now, I'm talking about not just your head. I'm not talking about just what you want. Here's where you're going to write down yes or no. Are you thoroughly convinced that this battle is already won no matter what stage it is in right now? Are you thoroughly convinced? This is only the only person that's going to see this is your buddy. You may not know your buddy, but trust them. They're, they're good people. I want you to be honest. Because if you're not thoroughly convinced, your buddy can help you. Your buddy can speak faith into your life. Your buddy can encourage you. Your buddy can, can pray for you. And your buddy is going to be praying for you. That's what side B is about. Everything you fill in on side A, fill in on side B, please. In just a few minutes, you're going to rip it in half and you're going to give side B to your buddy. And they're going to pray with you this week. They're going to fight with you. Fill in both side A and side B. Are you thoroughly convinced? Now, be honest with yourself. Be honest with your buddy. It's okay. Be honest. I'm, I'm 90% there. I'm still struggling with this. Good. Then your buddy can pray with you. Pray for you. You can, you can you know, admittance is the, uh, the first step. All right. So, what battle are you fighting for? Or what fighting uh, right now? What Scripture are you standing on or using during the fight? Are you fully convinced? Romans 4.21 is that he was fully convinced. And then the last question is this. How are you praying daily during this fight? Now, I, I'm I, I want to explain this for, you know, very real, for a very real reason. Many times we can put on a good front for everybody else. We can, we can say, I got this figured out. I'm, I'm 100%. I'm X, Y, Z. But the reality is, you can only be where you are. For instance, if I'm trying to think of, uh, trying to think of a, a physical ailment, because it's a little easier to describe it this way. If I were to have a bad, Tennis elbow. Not that I ever played tennis in my life, but if I ever, if I had tennis elbow, you probably, can you get tennis elbow from not playing tennis uh, other ways? Okay. From riding motors, that'd be tennis, that'd be motorcycle wrist. I don't know. But tennis, say, say I have tennis elbow and I'm standing on the word of God that my, you know, God shall supply all my needs. God will, uh, God is my healer, Jehovah Rapha, you know, I'm, have all these scriptures I'm standing on. But then what am I praying? Because if you're praying that God lessens the pain, that's as far as you'll go. If what you're believing, and that's okay. It's really, I mean, if that's where you're at, Kenneth Hagin used to say, what are you believing for? Before he would pray for people for healing, he'd say, what are you praying for? And if they said, I'm praying that the doctor has wisdom during the surgery, that's what he would pray for. Why? Because that's where they were at. If, you, if you're believing that the surgery you're about to have is successful, then that's where you're at. Be honest about that. If you're believing that uh, you don't have to have surgery and that it's going to be a, a complete restoration over time, then, then write that down. That's okay. If, that's where, if that you can believe, write that down. If you're believing for, I want a miracle right this second, Right here, right now, I want a miracle. Then write that down. But don't just pick that out of the, out of the air because you want to sound spiritual. Be honest. Be real. This is about being real. We can't fight a fight if we're not being real. Okay? All right. What battle are you fighting right now? What Scripture are you standing on? Are you fully convinced? And how are you praying daily during this fight? You have two sides. Two sides. <clears throat> Fill them both out down to that point. At the bottom you see a one-month prayer list and three lines. A one-month prayer list and three lines. Here's what I want you to do. Don't worry about the one month. Let's do one week to begin with. 
we're going to commit to fighting this fight together for one week. Okay? We can do that. How long will it take you to fight this fight for one week? Probably less than reading the Bible through in two years every day. Less than eight minutes a day, really, to be honest. You can, you can pray very quickly. Now, if you want to pray longer, awesome. But at least every day, pray. The first line there that I want you to fill in is the name of the person you're working with. Who's your buddy? Write that down. Who is your buddy? On the other line, on side B, write your name. Write your name. On the first line, on the A side, write your buddy's name. On the side B side, write your name. Name of the person you're buddy with, you're working with. And I want, you're going to rip this in half in just a minute, and you're going to give this to your buddy. And you're going to say to them, I'm going to pray for you this week. I'm going to fight this fight with you this week. Fill out both sides. Yes, equal. Because you're going to give side B to your buddy. I'm going to fight this fight. Now, still writing, still busy. That's awesome. Here's what I want you to do. You're going to, in a moment, don't do it yet, because there's still two more things you need to write down. You're going to pray for them this week, at least once a day for the next week. Pray, pray what they wrote down. You're going, to, you're going to switch this off. They're going to pray what you wrote down. They're going to pray for you to, to, to walk by faith, you know, to, give, to encourage you. Whatever the Holy Spirit leads you to pray for them. You're going to have somebody this week praying for you every day. That's kind of cool, isn't it? You're going to know that somebody is praying for you every day. That's neat. Okay. So, then, at some point this week, it could be every day, it could be twice a day, don't get stocky, but it could be a few times, you know. It may be once. However it works. There's no limit, no, no rule on this, other than at some point during the week, I want you to call the other person. So write your number down. Write your, write your number that somebody can get a hold of you at. And just call them and say, hey, I'm praying for you. How are you doing? How are you doing? Put it on both sides. On one. On the line one still. This is all style on line one. Yeah. <laughs> line one. Line one. It's all line one. <clears throat> because line two and three are for a different purpose. Just hang on, we'll get there. Their name, your name, and the number. Okay. Everybody there? Line number two. Line number two. Here's where I see everybody's my buddy this week. Everybody's my buddy. Because we fight fights individually. There are fights that you're fighting for you, that you're, there's battles that you're fighting for you and that you're, you're walking through for yourself. But there are also battles we're walking together through. Things that we're all have a part of. And so this week, and I, and we're gonna, it will be extended, but this week we're gonna commit, I need you to pray for something specific. I need you to pray about something specific. The thing I need you to write in, in line number two is the building expansion. Write down building expansion. So today, or this week, every day when you pray, I want you to pray for your buddy. Pray what they're believing for. Pray what they're, what they're standing on. But then the second line, I want you to pray every day for the building expansion. Why? Because we need it. No, um, yes, true, but not that desperate. We, this has been so awesome, fun, weird, Stressful, crazy. But last night, at 10 o'clock at night, I got a phone call. I was just about asleep. My wife, I think, was asleep because she wasn't happy that I was talking on the phone. Well, you know, but I, the phone rings, and it's Pastor Jonah from St. Croix Falls. And he says, I was just praying for you. And he says, I just saw something in the Spirit. I needed to tell you because you needed to know this. He says, what he saw as he was praying for me, he saw the building. 
He saw the work being done on the building, and he said it was really cool because the building was glowing. It was full of light, and it was just it was glowing. And he said he was looking at it going, wow, that's really neat. But he says off in the distance he saw a darkness. He saw a shadow, a darkness. And he says, he says, first of all, don't worry. It's not a danger. You're not in danger. It's not that kind of what he's not what I saw. It wasn't danger or somebody's going to get hurt or somebody's going to die. That's not that. He says, out of the darkness, every so every so often, he would see something scurry into the building and steal something and run back out. And then it would hide in the shadows, and all of a sudden it would scurry back into the building, it would steal something, and it would run back out. And he said it did that a number of times. And then he says, the Holy Spirit says, call John, tell him to pray, but tell him to tell the congregation to pray. That we all need to fight this battle together. I know exactly what he was talking about. It seems like every, we, we move forward and then, ugh. And then move forward and then, ugh. Two times so far since we've started the building. The first one was the, was the uh, excavator, the, the guy who dug the, the foundation footing. And the other one was this week. Two different times, the semi-drivers delivering the equipment were in car accidents or uh, tr- truck accidents. We were supposed to have the lift on Tuesday, which means we could have started putting the roof on on Wednesday, and they didn't show up, didn't show up, didn't show up. They called and said, no, we can't be there Tuesday night. We'll be there on Wednesday. So we waited. We got there on Wednesday, and we started to work, and we were waiting. He says it could be here any minute. Uh, Jack said that. And we waited, and we waited. No call, no call, no call. No call all day long. At 5 o'clock, they called Jack and said, hey, it'll be there at 6 o'clock. We're really sorry, but the semi was in an accident. And he said, and, you know, obviously we're not, at that moment, they're, they're dealing with their accident. They're not dealing, they don't, you know, not worried about us. But that put us an extra day behind. That's why the roofing crew didn't show up yesterday. They were still, they were still securing the building yesterday afternoon. It's ready, though, tomorrow morning. The roofers are coming, and there will be a roof on. The Tyvek's going to be put on, and windows should be in in the next two days. So it's moving. We're moving, moving, moving. But we don't need anything more stolen. The other time, the excavator was supposed to be there on Monday morning. He called on Monday morning and says, I'm not going to be there till Wednesday. That's, that was one of the delays. And, and the, Jack was like, why? And he says, my son was driving the semi that was going to, it was loaded with logs, and they were going to, he had to drop off this load of logs, and they were going to load up the excavator and have it ready for Monday morning, and his son rolled the, the, the semi. So it's, it's little things are being stolen. Nobody's been hurt. No, even the, even the, the logging truck that rolled and it was put us three days behind, he, he says when they righted it, when they unloaded it and righted it, there wasn't a scratch on it. He's a friend of mine. He's a believer. And he says the only, the only thing was the, 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 the uh, exhaust stack was dented. I mean, they rolled a logging truck. And the only thing that happened was a dent. Praise God for that. But it still stole time. It stole momentum. It stole, you know, it stole money. Because you know you're just you slows you down. So number two is we need to pray that that building gets finished quickly, efficiently. No weapon. So here's my verses: No weapon formed against us shall prosper. All those who rise up against us will fall. My God, our God shall supply all of our needs according to His riches and glory. We have everything we need. We have all the protection. We, you know, you have all these verses that we can put into that. We need to pray that that building gets finished quickly, and we need to do it together. It's not just one or two people. I know some people are praying. I know people are praying, but we need to have a a a, a concerted effort of prayer to get that thing finished. Why? Because it's light. And it needs to be used as light. Amen? Amen. Line number three. <clears throat> line number three is this. The other thing I want you to pray for all week long is this. These letters, R-V-F-M. All capital letters, R-V-F-M. R-V-F-M is the River Valley Fellowship of Ministries. R-V-F-M is something that we have been, uh, I've been working on for about four months to put together an organization that will oversee, uh, uh, lead, be the, over, uh, over the, the, the starting of 24 churches in the next 10 years. We need to have an organization to do that. Ever since we've started this process, it's been one step forward, two steps back. 
Three steps forward, one step back. I was told a month and a half ago that everything would be finished in three days. That was a month and a half ago. The person who was doing the paperwork quit calling, quit showing up, quit everything. And every time I, was, I, was, I reached for the phone, I was like, where are they? I want this done. The Holy Spirit would say, wait, stop, don't call them. Don't call them, don't call them. For a month and a half. Finally, they called me. It's moving again, but it needs to keep moving. Why? Because you need to have everything in place for just, it, it, it just needs to be established. RVFM, slash, do slash. Valley vision. It's the vision for the valley. We need as a church to be praying for the vision for this valley and all that it entails. All the, the, the churches, the people, the praying for people in the valley, praying for protection, praying for everything that's going on. And then the third thing is on that same line, number three, slash Prescott. Praying for the church, the engaged church in Prescott. It's all part of the same thing. RVFM, the Valley Vision, Prescott. Pray for Prescott. Ever since that building has been, the lease was signed on it, and, I, and, and hear, hear me the way I say it, what I mean, ever since then, all hell has broken loose. Talk about being attacked. The Logans have been being attacked. We've been, you know, and, and I, I'm not talking about, there's no, no people. That isn't, and I don't think it's people, but it's just stuff. Pressure. It's like, and, I, and as soon as it started, as soon as that pressure started, I realized exactly what it was. And I began to pray, and that's when the Holy Spirit showed me. He says, you've established the flag at the end of the St. Croix River. It's established. And of course Satan's not going to lay down. You know, we're in a battle. Okay, we're not, I'm not worried about it. I'm not ignorant, we're not ignorant of it. Okay, let's take the fight to him. Collectively. One can send a thousand to flight, two can send ten thousand. So, RVFM, Valley Vision, Prescott, and the Logans. Pray for the Logans. Pray for them. Pray for their kids. Their kids have, they, the, two of them have been sick. John and Jen have been sick. Kairos and Zoe are, Zoe are the only ones that are walking by faith, and they're walking in total healing. <laughs> And we want to keep them that way. Amen? Those are the three things. Now, rip that baby in half and hand that to your buddy. Hand side B to your buddy. B is for buddy. We're going to go back into worship. They're going to sing a couple of songs. And then uh, we're going to be having a baptism. So if those guys want to get ready to do that, when they're back, we'll... Uh, we'll uh, do that baptism, but just tell your buddy you're praying for him. Amen. And, uh, I love in Acts 10 how it talks about Cornelius and his whole household being saved, um, baptized, his whole household the day, and Peter's the one who does it. Um, if you recall earlier in the New Testament, Peter's one of maybe the disciples that hold children back, right? A few weeks ago, we, Pastor John spoke about the disciples who held children back, right? And Jesus was very much exact opposite of that. No, no, no. And later on, when Peter goes to Cornelius' house, he and his whole household is saved. Jonathan's made that choice today. In our family, we've come to kind of understand that sometimes... You can be led into a baptism, and, and we as parents, we're all kind of excited about that, but we really want to make sure our children understand what it is that, that we're doing. So we've, we've come to understand that when this moment happens for our children, that, that they need to be able to explain what's going on so that they themselves know, what are we doing here today in this water? And, you know, this is a tradition that we have in the Christian church, but, but what does it really mean, right? So Jonathan, what is it that we're doing here today? come out of the water, I will be um, a disciple of Christ. In the name of the Father, and of our Son, Jesus.
Father, you are great. And Lord, we're so excited for what you're doing in our lives. We continue to stand. We continue to believe. We continue to trust. And we continue to fight. Father, this week, great ground, great movement forward will be experienced in all of our lives and in the life of this church. For your glory, for your honor and praise, in Jesus' name, amen. Amen.